Our sermon text for this morning is from the Gospel of John 16. You'll find it on page 6 in your worship folder. It'll also be up on the screen. There's space on page 7 if you'd like. You can uh, take notes or fill in the blanks with a couple of our, our key points or takeaways from this morning as well. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, creating faith in your hearts. Dear Christian friends, when you think of God, what do you think of? Like if we could take the mental picture that's in your mind when you hear the word, the name God, and we could put that up on the screen, what would we see? Would we see God the Father creating all things by the power of his word, right? That Sistine Chapel-esque kind of picture. Would we see God the Son welcoming children in his arms or, or calming the storm or, or stretched out on the cross? Those are all fine mental pictures, mental portraits of God. I wonder, though, if if anyone would actually say that in their mind's eye, when they hear the name God, that the, that the picture they see is of God the Holy Spirit. For the most part, when we talk about God, we refer to or even, even think about God the Father or God the Son, Jesus, right? But probably not all that often do we even think about, much less talk about, the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's not necessarily wrong. In fact, Jesus himself talks about kind of why that is. But I think a big piece of that is if you look through the pages of Scripture, you find the works of God the Father laid out often. You find the works of God the Son clear and obvious the work of the Holy Spirit, though, with the exception of Pentecost and maybe some, a few others, is rarely on the front stage. He's always working, but it's really kind of always in the background. Doesn't mean his work is important. Doesn't mean he's not working. And Jesus is going to help us see that point from his words in John 16 to give us this glimpse of God to help us better understand the work of the Holy Spirit and his work for us. Now just one word of context so you understand what's happening around these words that we're about to read. Jesus was uh, celebrating the Passover and instituted the Lord's Supper on Maundy Thursday evening. It was just hours before his, his betrayal and his arrest and Jesus had just told his disciples he was about to leave them. Here's where we pick up in John 16, beginning at verse 5. Jesus says, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, Where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because, of these, because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now the disciples heard Jesus' words and they were distraught, right? First of all, Jesus told them that, that one of them, the disciples, was going to betray him. And now he's going to leave them? Where were they going to go? What were they going to do? This, it, it hit them like a ton of bricks. Even though Jesus had been leading up to this and had told them this 
time and time again, the emotional impact of these words, well, we probably shouldn't undersell it, right? It's totally understandable. They're the emotional response that they had, fear and uncertainty and sadness and grief. But Jesus wanted to help them see a little bigger picture. He wanted to help them see beyond the the emotional response, their short-sightedness, to see a bigger picture and a spiritual perspective. So he gently called them out, right? He said, hey, um, not one of you has asked where I'm going. Just think about that. Like, for, for the last 2,000 years, how many Christians have wished that they could ask Jesus just one question? Hey, um, so what's the full glory of the presence of God like? What's it like to hear the angel choirs? What's, like... They had this opportunity just sitting right there. Where are you going? What, is it gonna, what are you going to do? What's it going to be like? And not one of them took him up on it. Jesus wanted to help his disciples see there was a good purpose for him leaving. All they could see, all they could feel was the pain, the sadness, the, the grief, the loss of the moment. But spiritually, they were missing the point. Right? Jesus had told them he was going to leave and it was for their good. Not his good, theirs. It, it's kind of like when you wanted to go and do something and all the other kids were doing it and your parents said, no, this is for your good and I love you. Did you believe them? Really? This isn't for my good. You're just mean. You're the worst parents ever. You know why? Because that's what emotional children and spiritual children are stuck in. They're stuck in the moment and not being able to see past the emotional response. Jesus wanted his disciples to see see past that, but in the moment, all they were thinking about was that they had left everything to follow him. They had devoted themselves to him. They had been with him day in and day out for three years And now he was going to leave them? And it was going to be good? It really was for their good, though. And and not just for theirs, but, but yours and mine and all people. Because Jesus was leaving to complete his mission. Jesus was going, and notice he said, where I'm going, he had said before, where I'm going, you can't come. Right? He's not talking about heaven He's not, going to, he's not talking about going to be with God. He's talking about going to face the wrath of God for the sins of humans and come out the other side. He's talking about going to defeat the devil and destroy the power of death. He's talking about going to suffer and die and rise again. That's good, right? Jesus knew it was going to look terrible and it was going to feel awful, but it was good. It was good because it was the salvation that we need, the rescue that we need from our sin. Jesus knew this was the only way to give people hope and life 
and salvation. And so, Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving. And it's for your good. But he also promised them, I'm not leaving you on your own. I'm going to send you a gift. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, right? And when he comes, he's going to guide you, instruct you, comfort you. Really what the Holy Spirit would do in in so many ways was, was to help them see all of the events that they had gone through up until this point, but especially that Holy Week, Jesus suffering, his death, his resurrection, leading right up to his ascension into heaven, and to be able to see it not just from a personal loss or emotional perspective, but to see it from a spiritual perspective. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you and me too. To be able to help us pull back and not get so engulfed and and wrapped up in the emotional response of the moment we have emotions it's okay to react it's okay to feel but he wants us to be able to have a, a bigger perspective to see things from a spiritual perspective which is our first takeaway this morning that the holy spirit helps me see things from a spiritual perspective focusing on god's promises for me Just like the Holy Spirit did for those disciples, he instructs, guides, comforts us. And he does that by by leading us back into God's word to find the promises of God for you and for me, promises to uh, forgive us, promises to rescue us, promises to always be with us, promises that lead us again and again to Jesus. Because that's what Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit really does. Take a look at where Jesus picks up in verse 8. Jesus says, When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Jesus tells us that the Spirit's job is really to work in the background and to help us focus on God's word and his promises for us, specifically in doing so to prove the world to be in the wrong about three things. Sin, righteousness, judgment, right? Now, that original Greek word for, that's translated here, prove wrong, it's really a little more than that. It's, the Holy Spirit's not like that annoying person that's always there when you mess up and is so happy to just point out your error. That's not what the Holy Spirit's work is. The Holy Spirit's work is really to expose the truth, to point out what's right So that in contrast, we see what is wrong. It proves what's wrong. So let's look a little bit more closely at what that means for us in those three areas, sin, righteousness, and judgment. First, the Holy Spirit exposes the truth, proves the world wrong, as Jesus says, about sin, because people do not believe in me. So sin, at its simplest picture, simplest definition, is missing the mark, right? 
God demands that we hit the bullseye every time. That is his expectation for you and me in how we think and say and what we think, say, and do. And sometimes we're a little over here and sometimes we're like three blocks away, right? We miss the mark and that's what sin is. The problem is that the world around us and even our own hearts will want to say that sin's not a big deal. Or or it's just something that's totally subjective. It's just wrong if you think it's wrong. What's wrong for you may not be wrong for me. And the Holy Spirit drives us back to the Word to prove that that is wrong. But notice Jesus doesn't just say to prove that it's wrong when it comes to thoughts and words and actions. It's not just about morality, right? Because what the Holy Spirit's job is to show is, again, to to shift to this spiritual perspective, to shift away from just a bunch of do's and don'ts and more to, well, what does that mean? Where is your heart? Because he wants us to see that the ultimate sin is being apart from God, is not believing in Jesus. That is the sin that ultimately leads to all the others condemning as well. And so while God isn't minimizing sinful thoughts, sinful words, sinful actions, the Holy Spirit's adjusting our perspective to a spiritual way of thinking, even about sin. Because from a a spiritual perspective, sin is ultimately unbelief, right? it's, It's a rejection. It's a walking away from God. It's about choosing my own way instead of God's way. And the reason is that God has forgiven all of our sins, right? We just, we heard that earlier. We rejoice in that truth. Do you believe it? Because, well, we know that God says he has washed us clean, right? But, but we might be tempted to think that, you know, he can kind of still see the outline of that sin right here. And, and there's still like a lingering stain. You know, it's, it's mostly gone, like 95%, but there's, there's still a little bit left. And God wants us to understand that that's not the way he sees us. When he forgives us, it is completely, it is in full. It is washed in the blood of Jesus and covered in his, not close to perfection, but complete perfection. Not a single stain or blemish remains, not even a hint. So that when God looks at you, he sees beauty and perfect because of Jesus. And here's why that's important. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us of that. Because we know the failures of our past. We We know the impurities of our hearts and our minds in the present. And it might make us wonder if we are really forgiven. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. To assure you, confirm to you, convince you, convict you, not of your sin, but of your forgiveness. That's our second takeaway. The first part of it is the Holy Spirit assures me that I am forgiven. Because then that leads to something bigger, something better. 
See, when you think about sin and what the Holy Spirit does as just a morality scale, well, you might look at yourself and go, yeah, but I don't say as many bad things and I say less hurtful words and I do less, less selfish things. And so you might look around you and go, you know, on the, on the morality scale, boy, you're, you're kind of down here and I'm, uh, I may not be here, but I'm at least here. And we start to feel a little bit morally superior. And that's what God doesn't want. That's what the Holy Spirit, why, why the Holy Spirit wants us to focus on forgiveness and to understand that those who don't know Jesus don't have hope. Because the Holy Spirit is shaping us to think in terms of spiritual, a spiritual perspective. So that we see others not just as a worse sinner, someone who says or does bad things, but as someone who doesn't have hope, who has no peace because they don't trust that Jesus has washed them clean from all of their failings just like he's done for me. And here's why that's important. The Holy Spirit assures me I'm forgiven so that what I'm passionate about is not convicting you. That's not my passion. I'm going to do it. Because it leads to the second part. It leads to me getting to share with you Jesus. I'm passionate about knowing my sins are forgiven. And I want to share that spirit-given truth with everyone else. To see people from that perspective. Those who have the hope and the peace of sins forgiven and those who do not. That's really what Jesus was talking about too when he talks about the third thing, proving the world wrong when it comes to righteousness, right? Because the world's idea of righteousness, well, it's all about what we do. We even tend to slip into that, don't we? Again, it's that morality mindset that, that I have to do this, and if I do this, then God will love me more, and God will bless me more, and God will reward me more, and make my life a little bit better. That's not what God is talking about. That's not what righteousness is before God. So in God's world, either you stand before God 100% on your own terms, on your own merits. And we already said we can't. We all fall short. We all fall far short and miss that mark. And that's a terrifying thing when we have to stand before God and it's just based on what I have or haven't done. That's not the righteousness that makes me right with God. No, that righteousness comes as a gift from God. It's the very thing that I can't attain, that I can't achieve, that I can't earn, and God says, here, it's a gift. Because Jesus has done it all for you. He's not only taken away your failures, he covers you in his perfection. He credits you with his righteousness. And, and it means that our lives then are totally different. That we aren't thinking about doing something as, is this going to earn me before God? Is this going to be, make me look better? It's not motivated by the fear and burden of my eternity depends on this. Or my happiness in this life depends on this. But it's motivated by the freedom 
that God has given me every good thing and therefore I get to go and I get to live for him. Finally, he, he says the Holy Spirit comes to prove the world wrong about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So when it comes to judgment, a lot of people have this idea that either God says do not judge, not true, or that God doesn't even judge. He just loves everyone, or maybe he's even kind of getting forgetful. I mean, look at how bad some people are and God doesn't do anything about it. Maybe he just doesn't care. Oh no, he does. He promises, he judges, and we confess, we believe that, right? We're gonna say that in just a few minutes. And the proof is that Satan now stands condemned. See, when Jesus talks about the prince of this world, he's referring to the devil because that's what he looks like, right? Like, he's in charge. Like, he's winning. Like, he's ruling. He's got this whole thing, and it's all his. I bet you think that, right? It's really tempting. It's really easy to think that. You see the decay, moral decaying. You see the, the people running away from God in record numbers and you think, man, yep, he is the prince of this world. He's, he's winning. But the Holy Spirit assures us that is not the case. That what Jesus did is what God promised he would do all the way back in the Garden of Eden, right after creation, right after the fall into sin. What did God say to the devil? I'm gonna put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he, one of the offspring of the woman, will crush your head. And what did Jesus do on the cross? Crush the devil. Right? That's what God says in 1 John 3. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And the Holy Spirit assures us that Jesus did exactly that. That he won the victory and his victory is complete. It is sure and certain. That brings us to our last takeaway today. In a world where it seems like, where it can seem like Jesus is losing, the Holy Spirit reminds and assures me Jesus has won. Not someday will win, has won. Completed fact, sealed, certain. The, the battle's still being fought, but the war is over. And Jesus wants us to know that Satan now stands condemned for eternity, which is really important. So that when you feel the pressure to cave on a truth of the Bible, when you feel like it's really hard to stand up, stand up for Jesus, to cling to a truth of his word, to be bold in sharing the good news that you have because, man, the world doesn't want to hear so much about God or hear from his people anymore. And you feel this pressure because it feels like it's a losing battle. It's not. Because Jesus has won. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to assure us Jesus won and Satan stands condemned. That's why God sends his Holy Spirit. To assure us 
confirm for us, convict us, drive us back, lead us back to God's good and faithful promises. The promises that point us to Jesus, our Savior. The promises that point us to God the Father's loving creation and preservation of you and me. To lead us back to where our faith stands. Because that's ultimately the work of the Spirit. To prove the world wrong. And to point us to the truth again and again and again. That Jesus is one. And that's what we trust in. That's what we cling to, and that's what we look forward to you to as well. It's why we celebrate this gracious giving of the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost. As we look forward to what Jesus, what, what, as we look back to what Jesus has done, and we see the continuing blessings today, and that we look forward to forever. Amen. Please stand. <clears throat>